two-on-one break over the wing line. Kane to the left circle, pulls up, holds, fires, he scores! Number 400 for Patrick Kane! It's time for Blackhawk 720, your insider key to the Hawks. Kaner's been here for all those cups, and this guy's the face of our team, and he always seems to get that big goal for us. Take the Blackhawks to go. Blackhawk 720, the only Hawks podcast worth listening to. Now, here's Chris Bowden and Joe Brand, podcast royalty. Hi, everyone. We promised you a fresh Blackhawks 720 podcast following the big, big weekend against the Tampa Bay Lightning, and we are delivering. Welcome back in. Hope you had yourself a great week, and it was a fun, exciting weekend for the Blackhawks and the Tampa Bay Lightning at the United Center. I'm Chris Bowden, your pre- and post-game host for Blackhawks Radio on 720 WGN, joined by Blackhawks reporter, sports anchor, newsman, uh, what else, uh, news reporter, um village play idiot play. village idiot but most importantly seer because when i asked you last week to give me oh, what yeah. you thought the blackhawks were going to do against the tampa bay lightning in this three game series you said one one and one it looked like you were going to be wrong three minutes into the second <laughs> period but then but then things turned quite quickly as the blackhawks uh uh get pounded after uh opening up that three nothing lead the uh Switches hath flipped by the uh, defending Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning, and they took off for the six to three victory. But uh, on Sunday afternoon, but overall, uh, real entertaining three games and um, heartbreaking moments, breathtaking moments, thrilling moments, and disappointing moments all and all. But uh, the Blackhawks now know that they can hang with a team like this. The question is whether they can hang with the team when they really decide to put their foot on the gas. And they fell a little bit short of that, uh, and there will be room for improvement and testing that again coming up on this next six-game road trip. Yeah, it probably would have been great if we could take Sunday's game and then just somehow shift it to right before Thursday's game, and that's how the sequence of these three games went. But no, overall, I, I think... I mean, Blackhawks fans need to look at the overall picture of this three-game series. And I know they're leaving this series thinking, ah, they could have had more. They could have had more points. That's very true. But you got to take a look at Tampa Bay's side as well. I mean, this is one of, if not the best team in the NHL, the reigning Stanley Cup champions. And I'm sure they feel like they let some points squeak away from the Blackhawks that they didn't deserve. But this was a hard-fought series. And Jeremy Colleton said before, this is going to be a measuring stick of where we are, what kind of team we are. And I think I think it just kind of confirmed who the Blackhawks are. They're a very overachieving young team right now that shows they can play with some of the best teams, but they still have a ways to go, and they still have some things to learn. And they're still going to make some inexperienced mistakes, which really came into play in Sunday's game. But for the most part, this is a team that can hang with some of the best as of right now. And this past series just proved that. So I, I think overall, that being said, Blackhawks fans need to be very pleased about this series. And you also have to keep in mind uh, one way to kind of, you mentioned the youth, one way to kind of uh, help stem the flow against a team like Tampa Bay, a high-powered team like Tampa Bay, is to have your veteran defenseman in the lineup. And unfortunately, that didn't happen. Calvin DeHaan hit on the leg with a uh, a shot block um, on Friday. i got to keep my day straight here on Friday, so he was unavailable on Sunday. And then Connor Murphy being ejected from the game uh, midway through uh, Sunday's contest uh, with that hit on Eric Chernak, uh, in which he was given a, a match penalty. So 
Jeremy Carlton decided to go 11-7, and seven, which is a good thing that he did, but there was a whole lot of green as part of the remaining six defensemen that he had left once Connor Murphy was uh, removed from the equation. You, you know, you, you take those two steady, veteran, level-headed guys out of there who, you know, uh, have a little bit uh, more knowledge on, on how to you know, defend a team that can certainly roll four lines in a very talented manner. And uh, I think I said, on you know, they're still within 4-3 in the third period. Um, but then with about eight minutes remaining, there was a group out there at the score 4-3. And, and, you know, you can't blame coaching staff or anything like this, uh, you know, in terms of who's out on the ice with what they had to deal with. But when Tampa scored that goal by Alex Kalorn to make it 5-3, it was... Kurashev, it was Kubalik, the veteran of the group, in his second year in the NHL. Um, Ian Mitchell and Wyatt Kalanuck. I'm trying to remember who the uh, the other guy. Oh, Brandon Hagel was on the ice oh, yeah. with a rookie goaltender too. So <laughs> the only guy who wasn't a rookie out there was the second year guy, Dominic Kubalik. They got pinned in their own end. You could almost see it coming when Alex Kalorin scored to make it five to three. Uh, that was tough, but that that's that's the hand uh, that's good for the Blackhawks sometimes, and then in this instance against that team, uh, sometimes it burns you. So learning moment, I guess. Absolutely. And the other thing, how you mentioned with Connor Murphy and Calvin DeHaan not being available for the majority of the game, four of the goals given up power play goals, and of course three of them coming in that explosive second period for yeah. Tampa Bay. I mean, that's when you need your leaders. That's where you need to kill those penalties in some rough spots, and not having them there in a team like Tampa is just going to pound at that type of opportunity. I'll say it was it was really cool to see Troy Murray be just spot on with Tampa Bay's resurgence in the second period. <laughs> I was kind of doing some running around today, and you know, I'm, I'm leaving, and I, I hear how the Hawks are up three nothing. I'm like, wow, okay, this is really going to happen. They're going to take two out of these three games, and Troy Murray's just like, once that first goal got scored, here's he he says, here's where Tampa can really step on the gas, and here's where you need to kind of control the situation, and and the Lightning did just that. So, uh, man, uh, stick taps to to Troy Murray, of course. Of course, we know how fantastic he is, but in case anyone doesn't know, that was just kind of a microcosm of what he's able to uh, portray his uh, experience and his knowledge of this game. But, uh, but, but again, I think that goes to what type of team Tampa is. They can flip the switch whenever they want, and the Blackhawks are going to have to somewhat battle uphill in those types of scenarios, but they still had themselves in an opportunity where they were up 3 nothing. I mean, that, that, that can't be overlooked that the Blackhawks were able to do that, and this comes after playing two games that could have gone either way against the best team uh, right now in the Tampa Bay Lightning. So, again... Overall product, I think positives, but still ways to go. Yeah, and Troy will always talk about those situations. Uh, he can sniff them out pretty clearly. Those those uh, you know potential uh, momentum changing situations, especially going up against you know your more elite teams. Those are the moments that uh, the Blackhawks and and particularly young team have to learn how to manage and and realize what's going to be coming from the other side and learn how to play the right way. You hear uh, Jeremy Colleton talk about it all the time. Troy talks about it on the air all the time. And uh, that was indeed the situation. It happened a couple of times throughout the course of this three-game series, as it has earlier here in the season. So the Blackhawks built the 3 nothing lead with the help of uh, Matthias Janmark. He scored a power play goal to make it 2 nothing. He also had a helper on uh, Pew Suter's goal that made it 3 nothing. And uh, I, earlier in the week when they had uh, Janmark on with the media ahead of this series, um, 
Good on Matias for making himself available. He's kind of like the Tampa Bay Lightning expert on this team because <laughs> playing for the Dallas Stars in the Stanley Cup yeah. Final uh, last September and, and facing them, uh, he was the one most familiar with this team. And uh, once again, he was able to come through, but nevertheless falls on the short end of the score 6-3 Sunday. And here's what Yenmark uh, was uh, sharing with reporters afterwards on Zoom. What do you take away from a game like this? Uh, I mean, it's a very disappointing loss. Uh, we come out good and we play really good and we prove that we can play with this team and, and be better. Uh, we put ourselves in a good situation with 3 nothing up there and then at that point you kind of just want the time to pass a little, uh, keep playing and, and play on your toes and then they get the one and then you kind of want to do the same uh, to, to kind of stop the bleeding but we can't seem to do that today and, and too quickly it's a 3-3 game and then they get the bounce on the on the four three goal too, and then it's their game to to lose, and and they didn't let up. You think they were doing differently in the second and third periods that kind of affected you guys? Uh, I don't know. Uh, not uh, I don't know. Uh, it's a weird weird game, of course. Uh, we we let in too many easy goals, and I mean, of course, they're probably doing something different, but. Uh, I feel like we got to do something to stop the bleeding there at 3-1 or, or 3-2 or whatever. When, we, when we're when we up 3-0, we got to know how to play those games too. It's two games here that we, we've had that lead and we, we let it go uh, way too fast. So uh, we got to learn from that. Hey, Matias, what, what makes their power play so difficult to, to stop? I mean, they got really good players. Uh, Good setup. Hedman is is moving good up there. He gets shots through, so so he's a threat. And then they got obviously Stamkos uh, on the one wing, and then they got Point in the middle. And I mean, just threats everywhere. So uh, you're gonna take away something, and then you're gonna give something up. So uh, that's that's what makes it so hard. What do, what do you take away from this series? I know today didn't end up how you guys wanted it, but I guess to be up three nothing on Tampa, and then to also take three points in the first two games. Are, are there positives as a team you guys can take from this series? Yeah, I mean, like I said, this loss was very uh, disappointing. I feel like we could have won all three games here. Uh, obviously, they could have done that too. Uh, but I mean, yeah, uh, there's some positives here. Uh, we think if we could have uh, taken uh, 50% of the points beforehand, uh, maybe you would have thought about it. Uh, it's a good team, and, and we've proven that we can play with them. But now it's up to us to respond from, from this loss here. and got some big games coming up here so we, we got to get back on the winning ways hey matthias i uh, just wanted to ask you about your goal tonight looks like the puck uh, when passing from king didn't even touch the ice uh, before getting into the goals yeah uh he made a good play to kubalik and he kind of tipped it towards back door when I, where i was and it was kind of just a reflex I, I know the puck is somewhere there in the air so just take a whack at it and was lucky to to score from there Hey, Matias, uh, it seemed like um, there was uh, more tension and, and more physicality, uh, some scrapping after the play uh, tonight. Did, did you feel like that sort of escalated after two previous games against the Lightning? Yeah, a little bit, maybe. Uh, some games, games get like that. Uh, I don't know. Uh, you you kind of see the same players over and over again, and maybe you get into to a battle with someone and yeah maybe it grows but I didn't think too much about it. So Yanmark delivering on the power play the Blackhawks would go one for four 
on the afternoon. And, you know, they had two power play opportunities with the score still 4-3 late in the second period. And then again, um, toward the midway point of the third, this was still a 4-3 game when Ryan McDonough went to the box on a slash, but really couldn't get anything going. And actually, you know, that, that second power play unit, they seem to go back and forth with, you know, one unit's hot, one unit's not. Well, the second one has overall seemed to be a little bit more effective here lately. And uh, so there were opportunities there to, to come through on the man advantage and even that thing up. But on the other side of the spectrum, as they head out on the six-game road trip, two against Dallas, two against Florida, two more against Tampa Bay, uh, the penalty kill now is is something to be concerned about because over the last seven games, they are just 12 for 24 after that one for five showing on Sunday afternoon against Tampa Bay. Um, you hope they get Connor Murphy and Calvin DeHaan back to help out in that situation. We don't know whether, as we record here on Sunday evening, whether Murphy is going to be uh, getting some supplemental discipline. We probably will know that by Monday afternoon. But um, he doesn't have a history. Hopefully, uh, you know, uh, if, if there is any supplemental discipline, it will be brief. And you also have to hope Calvin DeHaan comes back. But this penalty kill is something that you know, it's going to need a little bit of working on uh, with the way things have been going here lately. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it before, how a big reason why the Blackhawks got off to such a good start is because when you're able to kind of tread water on 5-on-5 five five and just at least outwork the other team, maybe find a goal here or there, but then capitalize on special teams, that's where you set yourself up in a better spot. And, you know, at least the power play still hasn't faltered as much, but you, you can't give the opportunities to a team like Tampa Bay. Um, I also... I, Listen, I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but I think you know you give up that many penalties in the second period, not to mention the five-minute major. I know they didn't score on that, but they have that momentum just kind of continuing and continuing, and, oh, here's another power play, and here's another power play. I mean, it's, it's kind of easier for Tampa Bay to be in that kind of mindset of just full-on attack and, and full um, j- just doing everything you can to score a goal right then and there to just take control of the game, but... All that being said, yes, you're right. This is still something that needs to be tweaked, and I, I think they just maybe got to kind of go to the basics a little bit more. They, they were, they were really good at um, just being on on top of the same guy rather than you know ranging out and, and creating all that clogging of of passing lanes and and just more of uh, breaking up passes before before any any rhythm could have happened from the other team. And I feel like they've gotten a little bit away from that as of right now. But again, there's there's there, there, there could be more ways to fix that or they could even continue what they're doing in just a more efficient fashion and then be able to kill off penalties more often. So it, it, it remains to be seen. But I also think that the goaltenders were kind of the biggest reason why the penalty kill was also very good too because of what a great start that Kevin Lankinen had gotten mm-hmm. into. And, you know, they, they are still there, but not as playing over their skis as much as they were before. So once that's come down to earth a little bit, everything is just kind of evened out a little bit. Not saying they can get back to where they were, though. Yeah, the, the fresh the fresh wound is the 6-3 loss on Sunday. And uh, when we come back on the other side after hearing from Jeremy Carlton following uh, Sunday's contest, uh, we'll look back a little bit more on the two other games because they were, they were interesting and fascinating, all wrapped up into one before we start looking ahead and before we also discuss the other major news of the past week with Brent Seabrook announcing he is no longer able to continue playing but for the here and now here's the head coach after his team 6-3 loss on Sunday yeah I thought uh, that first 20 minutes was uh, excellent 
really pleased with how we played. And, uh, you know, we, we're not catching them by surprise. They, they know, um, you know, we've played them hard here over the first two games. So, uh, really, really happy with, uh, we, we keep improving. Uh, you know, I just thought at three zero, you know, the first shift, uh, after the goal, you know, we, we'd love to not take a penalty there. And I, I think it's, um, again, someone else probably doesn't get called on that one. Uh, so young guys don't typically get the benefit of the doubt in those situations, but, uh, we also put ourselves in a position where we're lose body position and, you know, you're at the mercy of a 50, 50. And I thought after that, obviously they scored on the power play and then they get a quick one off the rush and then it's a different game and uh you know the rest of the game was just so many penalties it was really hard for us to get our get our rhythm back and uh, you know obviously missing missing Murph was tough and already missing Dehan. uh we were asking a lot of our young players uh, a lot of you know tough matchups and a lot of minutes and um you know that's it's just part of uh, their progression uh, but a lot to ask to do it against that team Hey Jeremy, does does the matter in which that game got away from you six unanswered goals like that? Does that dampen any of the positivity you take from a series like this? Uh, I don't know. We're going to move on. It's uh, we got some points here. That's a positive. We we got to we got to keep building our game. I think we we're doing that. Uh, we got to find. We'd love to have a little more killer instinct. You know, we have them down three nothing at home. Uh, there's just, you don't want to give them any life, any, any reason to believe, um, you know, quick power play goal. And then they score right away. It's probably not what you want to do against the the cup winners. So, um, you know, it, it was, again, it was tough. We, we got, you know, four of the six D playing there. Haven't, haven't played many games in the league and, uh, we're playing against an excellent team. So we're, we're asking a lot of them. Uh, I thought for a lot of the game we were, they did well, but uh, it's it's a lot. So we'll bounce back. Um, I'm certain of that. Uh, we got to take the good with us and uh, keep working on. You know, obviously there's room for improvement. Did you have a chance to see the Murphy hit? And do you have any concern about supplemental discipline? Uh, I mean, hard to comment. It's you know, it's probably it's not my place to uh, comment on what should happen next. I mean, he. He's playing hard. He finished. You know, I thought he went through his chest. Um, you know, it's it's hard to see. I haven't looked at it in slow mo. So, guess we'll see what happens. Hey, Jeremy, I just wanted to ask about the, the Hagel penalty, which you kind of referenced. I mean, do you think that was a call that just shouldn't be made? All penalties should pretty much be called the same, regardless of who the player is. I don't need to go any further. We gotta ultimately we gotta control our own play and. Uh, Part of that's, you know, and he wasn't the only one. We, we got to move our feet, get body position, get through hands. And uh, sometimes you get the call, sometimes you don't. Jeremy, I know the, the penalties uh, certainly didn't help, but what, what else was going on? They just getting more sticks on pucks, um, you know, back check. What, what was your take on, you know, having trouble getting out of the defensive zone particularly? I think... Uh, until the third, I'm not sure they got a whole bunch five on five. Um, you know, they they were on the power play for most of the second period. Um, thought in the third, we just you know we're pressing, uh, trying to get something going, and uh, you know, we 
I'd like us to be a little more patient, give ourselves a chance to get back in the game. Obviously, their goalie made some big saves uh, to when when they needed it. Um, you know, wait. it's uh, it was it was two very distinct games. You know, up until they get the power play at, at the twenty five minute mark, and then after game seemed uh, particularly chippy. Did did it seem any chippier than the, the first two? Uh, of the series, I don't know. I think both, you know, all three games are played pretty hard. Next question will be from Scott Powers with the Athletic. Scott, your line is active. Hey, Jeremy, do you, do you have a sense of Dahan? Is he possibly travel with you guys for this trip? Yeah, he'll travel. I'm, I'm just, I'm not sure what the, how long it's going to be. What do you, uh, what do you think of Kalanick? I did well. Uh, I really liked his first period. He had multiple shifts where he was uh, closed, closed in D zone, got a stop, uh, was clean with a puck. He skated it a bunch of times. It's just you know, it's not uh, not super fair what we asked of some of these guys. Uh, the responsibility in the ice time in the matchups as the game went on. Hey Jeremy, this team is so resilient and has come back from a lot of the deficits they've faced. But then on the other hand, it seems like they've also blown a lot of the leads they've created. Well, what do you think is going into that, and, and how can you preserve the first part of that while, while fixing the second part? Oh, just we're learning how to manage momentum and learning how to be more consistent, shift to shift. I don't think that's unexpected. Um, we're, we got to keep working at it. Overall, I, I think we got to be pretty happy with the progression of our young group, and uh, you know, look at the lineup tonight. Look at the look at the games played. It's uh, we're. We're certainly going to keep pushing them and, and want to keep raising the standard. And, and they're got to give credit to them. They, they keep showing there's more in them. So uh, you know, that's what we'll keep focusing on. What can you take away from this series overall, the, the three games as a whole against the defending champs? Yeah, well, we showed um, our top level is good enough for sure. We can play with these guys. Um, they they shown uh, what, what it is to be a cup winner and an elite team. You know they, you, you you can't deny we had a lot of the play in in these three games. Yet they got five points, so um, they they find ways to survive when uh, we we had the momentum, and then they found ways to turn it and get paid off for it and, and climb back into games a couple times. Uh, they you know their elite level is pretty high as well. Hey Jeremy, is it tough when you look at the series like? Going into it, I'm sure maybe you would have been satisfied with three of six points, but you feel like you guys could have won all three when you look back on it. Yeah, could have, but we got to play better. I mean, it's uh, we're certainly happy with a lot of a lot of the play, but um, I don't I don't think we can expect that we deserve more than three overall. Um, you know, we we're going to get better as the year goes on. That's still the that's still the plan. That's still what we focus on every day. That's what we'll talk about tomorrow, preparing for Dallas and uh, find a way to compete harder for longer. Thank you. Well, have three nuts in there. Not only did Yenmark have a nice midair bat out of the air, but a catalyst for the other two goals as well with his forecheck. What did you like about just kind of that element of his game and, and kind of leading by that uh, that side of the puck? Yeah, yeah. I, I liked uh, – you know, a lot of our team was we were skating really well and coming up with loose pucks and uh, you know being relentless and that's that's kind of you know that's our our calling card. That's that's how we are hard to play against and 
he obviously had some really good shifts. So uh, you'd like to see guys get rewarded when they do that. It was a wild roller coaster three games between the Blackhawks and, and the Tampa Bay Lightning, and, and you just look back. I mean, so much was happening in these games, but the Blackhawks opened this series by probably playing their best game and losing with .1 seconds left in overtime on Thursday night. They led 2 nothing in the second period. All of a sudden, they have themselves a power play to start the third period. Boom, Tampa Bay uh, scores shorthanded. And that started their train rolling, and the Blackhawks were able to hang on after playing two excellent periods to, to start things off on Thursday. They hung on, pushed it to overtime, and then ended up losing it with .1 seconds left. And uh, uh, that's potentially heartbreaking, but by the same token, they come back 24 hours later. They don't play as well, and then the Hawks are the ones to rally from deficits of 2 nothing and 3-2 in the third period. 2 nothing after the first, what, 10 minutes or so, 10 and a half minutes of Friday's game. They rally back on two goals by Debrinkit. Also fall behind then early in the third, 3-2, get it to overtime. And then uh, what a wild and crazy overtime that was, too. I mean, it, it, was, it, was, it was breathtaking chaos all wrapped up <laughs> into one, especially with having to kill off a, a penalty to Duncan Keith after losing Calvin DeHaan earlier. Uh, bodies flying all over the place. They get it to a shootout, and uh, Philip Kurashev's the only one to score. It was it was really an entertaining three games. And then you go into Sunday, and they go up three nothing. Twenty three minutes into it, and then poof, it all goes away. <laughs> it was it was a fun weekend. I mean, man, those those first two games, those overtimes were incredible. The second one with the two on one constant chances back and forth. I I literally got out of my seat. I'm like, this is insane. I, I have to watch like eyes glued to the television, about four feet away from the TV. Um, it, it was really cool, and uh, I still can't believe uh, that that goal that went in with point one seconds left because. Is as um, why am I blanking on who scored the goal? He is he's taking it up to the top. Headman with the push. Yes, the thank point, you. And then Kalorn ended up tipping it in. Yeah, so he's coming up to the top of the slot. I'm like, why is he taking so long? This is this is idiotic. He's he, burning the clock out. Yeah, just getting to the shootout. And then the minute he scored, I go, well, there's no way that counted. He just took his time. Is is you know, and dilly dallied. <laughs> and then I'm looking at it, and I'm like, okay, point one seconds. No, it's got to be across the line. There it is. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Um, but but again, I, I think you're right that the biggest thing to take from that is how they bounced back. And even though they played better in Game 1 than they did in Game 2, they still played good enough to pull out two points. And I, I again, with Jeremy Colleton having just kind of the right mindset of all this, because it, it can be very easy for a team to just get very high in themselves um, for, for coming out of those two games, those first two games, and thinking, oh man, we could have won both of these. This is... Our, our toughest opponent right now, one of the best teams in the NHL. Look at how great we are. But but Jeremy Colleton continues to keep a level head and continues to preach that we still have to improve, we still have things to do, as him saying that as the head coach of the Blackhawks, not me saying we the Blackhawks. Um, but the fact that he's constantly driving that mentality with this team, I think, really helps this young core because you know it's it's okay to be proud, it's okay to be to be excited about what you're doing, but you have to realize the big picture, and I think that's what this whole series is about. Obviously, it's a unique situation where you're playing a, three, a team three times in a row, but it it kind of is a great learning experience, especially if you do go on to the playoffs and you're facing the same team for seven games in a row. It's one game isn't going to change everything. Mm-hmm. It's it's got to be sustained, continued success, and not to mention, like you said, 
they're going to play Tampa Bay again later on this month. So it, it almost, you don't want to say it doesn't even matter what happened in these three games, but I mean, just keep that in mind. Even if they swept this three-game series, what could happen the next time they face these guys? So it's, again, I think these past three games just confirmed what we know about the Blackhawks, and as of right now, we can continue those thoughts of this being a very overachieving team. Yeah, and uh, Tampa Bay had some real nice things to say about the Blackhawks, at least after the first two games. Uh, Ryan McDonough even going so far as to say that, that they are a le- legit playoff team. Yeah. You know, if they if they continue playing this way, and we're not necessarily talking about you know the the final uh, twenty seven minutes of, of what happened on Sunday, because yes, Tampa Bay is at a, com- a completely different level. How close Carolina and Florida are to what what Tampa is and can do, I- I'm not sure. But as the battle for this fourth place spot in the Central Division will continue here through the rest of the season. We're approaching the halfway point of the season. After the two games against Dallas, we are exactly at the halfway point. That's a reason we're having Stan Bowman on on the Blackhawks live show on Monday night, just to kind of get an overall assessment of things following this weekend. But to have a very complimentary of the Blackhawks saying, yes, they are. We had heard that they were a different team from what we saw in the first two games of the season, and you know they confirmed it. And then on Sunday, Things started getting a little chippy. You see a team yeah. three times in four days. Uh, things started getting a little uh, chippy, and we're not even talking about the. You know, I think it was it was raised a little bit uh, after the the Connor Murphy hit on Eric Chernak. I'm surprised it didn't, you know, uh, go into more chaos. But I think Tampa was just focused. Okay, here's a five minute power play. Let's get to business here, and they didn't score on that one. But they ended up uh, scoring a little bit later on, a couple more times on the power play. But um, yeah, the Tampa Bay Lightning guys were, were very respectful of. Uh, what they saw in this Blackhawks team, and and you know, for a veteran guy like McDonough to say, uh, yeah, definitely they're going to be in the mix here to the end um, in terms of joining the playoff field. I think that that's uh, that's fairly encouraging here. Yeah, no, and uh, <laughs> to, for them to say that after the first two games, just kind of waxing the Blackhawks, and I mean, I I think it'd be safe to say all of us were thinking once the season started, the expectations weren't that high. Once those few games happen, it's okay, here we go, and then. You know, not right after that, but soon after that, the Blackhawks were able to turn things around, and and I, I'm willing to start talking about this being a playoff team because of what they showed they could do against a tough opponent like Tampa Bay, and I, I don't think it's out of line to to bring up that idea as of right now. Just like they said, if if the black if if the Tampa Bay Lightning say that if the Blackhawks can continue playing like this, then they're definitely a playoff team. And not only that, maybe a team that can steal a series. So, mm-hmm. it, again, it, it, I don't think it's it's too much to say that right now with where this team is at. Obviously, a lot has to happen for that to happen. But as of right now, I'm okay, I'm okay saying it. That's just me. We were, uh, yeah, we were talking about knowing a lot more about this team after this weekend. Um, we're going to know a lot more about this team after the six game road trip as well, because yeah. you know Dallas has been struggling. They can't seem to get back on track. Uh, they had they won on Saturday. They're also playing on, on on Sunday night here as we're recording. But they won on Saturday over Columbus for just their third win since they started four zero and zero. That's that's a proud group. They've had a couple of injuries here and there to some key guys. But you know you know Dallas will be uh, not in the best of moods based on what the Blackhawks did to them the last trip down there with a couple of overtime victories. And now. 
uh, since they have so much ground to make up, although they do have games in hand, I, you have to expect that there's going to be urgency to Dallas's game in these two meetings against a team they're trying to chase down. And then it's back to Florida and back to Tampa Bay. And, uh, you know, uh, the Lightning can, can say all they want. And, you know, it's very gracious of them. But, you know, uh, we'll, we'll do another check back here after the six game road trip in terms of, in terms of how things stand. It's going to be, going to be real interesting to see. Um, because on our last podcast, we just talked about what's in store this month and it's, uh, it's a grinder. So, uh, so the, the road trip that begins on, on Tuesday, the six gamer, um, will will uh, also be a big factor in how this uh how this season particularly shakes out for the Blackhawks and uh, the season and seasons are over for Brent Seabrook that was the other significant news coming out of the week on uh, Friday it was announced that uh Brent has determined he no longer can uh play the game a- anymore and they stayed officially away from the R word since he is under contract mm-hmm. uh that w- retirement uh, won't become official until his his contract runs up after after three more seasons but uh you kind of saw the writing on the wall a little bit uh, he explains that uh, there was a setback despite feeling so good after that summer camp uh almost toying with the idea that he would have joined the team after those Three surgeries about a year ago, one to uh, each hip and another to a shoulder. Uh, how good he felt during that July training camp, but you know, not thinking he was quite there yet. And then a setback over the holidays where all of a sudden his hips started locking up on him once again. And it was uh, last weekend at a Saturday morning practice with the taxi squad. You know, he came to that conclusion. It, uh, we would certainly hope that the Black, Blackhawk fans remember more of the first. 10, 11 years of, of Brent's career than, you know, the way his body caught up to him over the course of the last three years and and how it really affected his game. I think so, and I think most Blackhawk fans will do that, mm-hmm. too. Um, how you said earlier, uh, kind of see the writing on the wall, and I mean, that that's just from an outsider's point of view, because it seems like what Brent Seabrook had been going through for the past year, and maybe even more than that, is just, okay, getting himself both physically and mentally ready to get back on the ice, and not only that, play to the form he's used to, play to the impact he's grown up playing, thinking he can and thinking he should do that, and then... Like he says, his body just kind of halted on him and said, no, I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think he was so candidate and, candid and honest about that that Blackhawks fans need to realize how much Brent Seabrook gave to this team and to the city just to constantly give it his all, even if his body was saying, no, I, I need a breather or maybe a little rest here, a little maintenance here. But um, but all he wanted to do was win with this team. And he's going to go down as one of the black best Blackhawk defensemen in history. And uh, I mean, obviously the conversation's already been brought up about his number and, and everything like that. And I think all of that is valid. But I think just for the most part, he's just... He's just such a big part of that three cup run and a big reason of why that all happened. And um, it's it's just always, obviously, it's an unfortunate circumstance that it has to come to this. But it's always a cool thing to look back on all of that when there's so much to look back on. And I think Brent Seabrook definitely deserves that. And it's unfortunate that 
20,000 people weren't at the United yeah. Center for, for his uh, montage video, but I know that day is going to be coming, and yeah. um, you know he'll get that, and the fans will get that too. Um, because, yeah, the I, I still get goosebumps thinking about the Joel Quinville video and mm-hmm. how, how cool that was. <laughs> so uh, I can only imagine when, when that starts happening for guys like Crawford and Seabrook. Yeah, yeah, knowing the Blackhawks organization, they will circle back to that, uh, you know, and, and uh, do something that's, uh, that's right by each of those two players. You mentioned Corey Crawford as well. It's kind of ironic that, you know, uh, just about two months earlier, Corey was the second round pick in 2003. Brent was the first round pick in 2003. Wow. And here they are, um, you know, uh, stepping away from the game saying uh, their, their playing days are done. And we're going to play you, you know, a good chunk of the Q&A that Brent had with reporters uh, following the, the press release that came out on Friday morning. Uh, Brent was never a, a big fan of talking to us, but, um, you know, uh, when you got him away, and, and this is this is probably, you know, he was he was passionate uh, in July when he was talking about how good he felt for the first time in years. And uh, he's passionate with a tinge of sadness here, but, you know, uh, there's some real fascinating stuff to listen to here. We're talking about, you know, what he is going to miss the most, and it's a laundry list of the things that every athlete, whether, you know, uh, your playing days are done after high school or college or you go in professionally, it is the camaraderie aspect of that, and nobody... Nobody wore that more than Brent Seabrook in the role that he had out of the spotlight in the locker room. I think most of us are fairly well aware of the influence that he had as kind of an emotional leader on that team. But, you know, there's some other great stuff here when he he talks about this team and how much he hurts not being able to be a part of it because the way they're playing, how exciting it is with all the young kids. And, you know, you're seeing a pivot point where the arrow's pointing back up for this uh, Blackhawks organization, what we've seen so far um, from this squad so far this year. And uh, just another handful of, uh, of uh, amazing stuff to listen to. He's, uh, he's fairly eloquent and uh, opens himself up to, to the way he was feeling about uh, coming to this conclusion. Here's uh, Brent Seabrook on stepping away from the game after a 15-year career with the Blackhawks. I skated with the taxi squad Saturday morning and... Uh it was tough. It was uh, it was hard to skate and uh, and keep up skating for three weeks prior, and it was uh, it was a battle. It just never really gave me anything. It never never got better. I'd wake up in the morning, it'd feel pretty good. I'd skate for five minutes, and it would lock up, and and I couldn't push or, or pivot or turn. Everybody that I was working with was great. They skated me hard and and uh, tried to get me ready to roll. And it was you know that Saturday, I was pretty excited. Uh, Mark Crawford was was running the drills, so it wasn't an easy practice, but uh, sort of made me think a little bit. Talking to Dr. Terry the Saturday night, um, you know, I think it confirmed what he already knew about a month ago. You know, and in true fashion, I said, "Okay, well, I'm going to see how I feel in the morning, and and maybe I'll skate." But uh, I woke up the next morning and, and couldn't really move very well. So, uh, you know, that was sort of. The decision I made, you know, with the help of Dr. Terry, I don't know if it was a decision I made or, or my body made for me. I know how hard you've worked the last, you know, year plus now to, to get back. How, just how difficult was it to kind of acknowledge to yourself that, that it really was over after all the, all the effort you put in? Yeah, well, that's, that's the weird thing. I mean, I'll take you back to, to the surgeries. I mean, I, I, felt, uh, I felt the best I'd ever felt. Uh, coming in for for the training camp bubble before the playoffs, uh, I felt pretty good. I didn't think I could could play the, to the level that that I I needed to 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 
help the team in the playoffs. Um, so that was my decision there on, on going back and continuing to rehab and stuff like that. And I mean, I, I felt incredible. I felt, uh, I felt awesome skating and, and training the Monday before Christmas. I woke up and I couldn't walk and I had no idea why. And uh, it's been like that ever since. So it was a weird thing. Friday, I finished skating, uh, working out. I felt great. We, we, you know, we scrimmaged at the end. I thought I was doing really good. Um, you know, skating with some NHL guys back in Kelowna and, and, uh, I was able to keep up. I was really excited to come into training camp and, and, uh, and have a hard camp and, and play and help this team. And, and, uh, you know, whatever happened on Monday, I, I didn't do anything on the weekend that, that would suggest that I heard anything, you know, that's sort of been the challenge I've had and just trying to get that better. I, I we've been doing a lot of stuff here with the, the team and, and the doctors and, and trying to get it going. What is the one thing, I know this is fresh, but what's the one thing you're going to miss most about not being on the ice with your teammates? Um, that's a great question. I think uh, I think there's a lot of things I'm going to miss. I think, uh, obviously, I love to play the game. I love to compete. Um, I love uh, I love the grind of the day-to-day. Um, love the process of, of uh, getting ready to play. I love being around the guys when we feel crappy. And everybody pulling on the same rope, trying to get a win that next night. Um, you know, I, I love the feeling you have when you come to the rink and you feel like uh, Superman. So um, all that kind of stuff. But I think, uh, you know, the big thing I'm going to miss is, is getting up in the morning and and coming to the rink and, and just being around the guys, being around the trainers. You know, that's that's the, you know, the best part of, of hockey is being around the boys and and having fun and, and uh you know, going through it together. I think uh, it was fun. I like 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 the new guys coming in and, and meeting new guys and, and guys from different cultures and backgrounds and and uh, understanding uh, what made them tick. And yeah, I think I'm just gonna miss uh, gonna miss it all. Back to what you were talking about around Christmas. Did Dr. Terry give you any reason uh, as to why that happened? I guess I could say it this way: he didn't really give me an answer that I wanted. Um, I didn't really understand it. Um, I think he probably knew all along there was, you know, there's no cartilage in my hip. Um, there's no, um, lots of arthritis in there. Uh, he knew that when he went in and uh, actually had an x-ray yesterday on it. And, uh, the one side has zero cartilage and the other one actually looks not too bad. So it it was, uh, throwing darts at a dartboard, trying to figure out, you know, what was going to get me back skating and playing and, and, uh, we did a lot of stuff with uh, with some injections and and some uh, some cortisone stuff and trying to trying to just get it back to to manageable and and uh, and something I can play with and uh, it just sort of uh, it is what it is I guess uh, I guess um, you know I told my body to to screw off for 15 years and it finally turned around and and said well I'm not going to do it anymore so um, that's sort of the way I've been saying it with. Uh, some different words involved in there, but uh, can't say that on TV. So, what what are the what are kind of the emotions of today for you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this this is it's definitely sad. I mean, it's uh, it's weird because I've been doing this for a year. Um, the same thing, just coming into the rink and and you know either working out or or whatever, or being around the guys a little bit, watching them on TV when they're on the road. So, I don't know if it's really hit me yet until I until I head home and. And all that kind of stuff, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's a ton of emotions. I was driving the rink yesterday to 
to test. And uh, I stopped at a stop sign, a stop sign I've stopped at a million times on the way to the rink. I look, I thought it was a stoplight. I, I, st- I was there for about five minutes and, and uh, it was right outside the United Center. So um, uh, I love hockey. I love the Blackhawks organization. I mean, I, I'd love to to circle around to that in a bit and uh, and uh, see how I can help. But, uh, you know, I'm not really thinking about that too much. Right now I'm thinking about getting back to my family. And my wife uh, has been back in, in Canada dealing with three kids and, and four dogs by herself for, for the last three months. And, and uh, she's been uh, incredible for me. She's been very strong and, and, uh, and doing a great job. So uh, I'm just excited to get back and, and see them. So. You kind of answered my other question there. I guess I was going to ask if you were going to stick around um, and be a, 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 just a presence with the team the rest of the season, but that sounds like that you won't be, right? You're going you're gonna to go home. Yeah, I'm going to go home for a bit. Yeah, like I said, I don't know what's going on. I'd like to see my family. Uh, they're they're going to head out in the road here. They're they're playing great. Uh, it's been it's been fun to watch. It's been fun to watch this team play, and a lot of young guys coming out and and playing really well. And and uh, you know, Kane and and Dunk are are leading the charge. And and uh, you know, right right throughout the lineup, everybody's uh, everybody's pulling on that rope. It's, it's good to see Jeremy's got him firing on all cylinders. So it's. Uh, it's fun to watch, and I think the, the the biggest thing I've I've seen out of this group being around them is they're having fun. I think uh, you know um, the last couple of years it's been tough around here, and and uh, you know this team is is having fun. They're they're enjoying it. They're they're uh, they're in every game, and and uh, they're competing. So it's it's been uh, it's been really fun to watch. I, I know this isn't how you want to end it, and how your body feels. But can can you put it into perspective? I mean, was it all worth it? To, you know, the th- for three Stanley Cups and playing as many games as you did, and and what you did to your body over the years. And I guess they have this career. Um, can I, I guess I know that you're always pretty proud. And I, I remember talking when you talked to your dad, you know, a thousand game and what he had been through in his life. And it always seemed like you were going to do whatever to be on the ice. Um, I don't know. Can you put all that in perspective? Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 incredibly proud of my career. Um, I I I got to play with a, a tremendous group of players for for the best organization in sports, and uh, you know, I was here uh, when I when I first got here. We we weren't uh, we weren't the Blackhawks you see now or, or through the the early part of the decade, but um, you know, it was it was fun to be a part of that group that that brought this franchise back up to, to the top. And, and, uh, you know, I wouldn't change anything for anything. I, uh, I gave it all I had. Um, you know, this, this last year has been tough. I remember telling my wife, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm not scared of the work that has to go into the, what I had to do after surgeries. I'm not scared of, of, of the pain or, or dealing with that kind of stuff. It's, uh, it's part of it and, and I'm, I'm motivated and excited and, and uh, I did that and, and uh, you know I could have made this decision about a month ago and, and for me for the rest of my life I think uh, it was really important to me to to push it and uh, and to really give it everything I had to, to try and come back and uh, you know unfortunately Saturday I think the writing was on the wall and you know I was I was proud of, of the last three three four weeks that I was going through and, and proud of, you know, the, the year I took to rehab and, and, and proud of my whole career. I think I've got a lot of great teammates that, that are going to be lifelong friends and, and, um, you know, talking to a few people, some of my buddies from back home, 
you know, it was, uh, it was a hell of a run. We had a lot of fun. Um, I got to bring the Stanley cup back to my house, uh, my hometown and, you know, drink a beer out of it with my dad and my mom and, and my wife and, and her family, my brother, um, you know, it was pretty special and, and, uh, I'll never forget these last 15, 16 years. That's for sure. A chance to have a conversation with Duncan. Can you uh, share like what, what you'll take from some of your memories, uh, with, with him in particular and your relationship? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, those guys were definitely important. Uh, I wanted to talk to them as soon as I could, obviously, made the decision on Saturday and Sunday morning, they had a back to back. So I didn't want to bug them with that. But, uh, I think I told dunk Sunday night after the game and, and, uh, he's been attached to me like he's wearing a leash for the, since then. So it's been, been pretty, pretty great to have him. He's been, been around a little bit and been sharing lots of stories, obviously talking with, uh, with Kaner was, was emotional as well. And, and, uh, you know, I reached out to Johnny, uh, uh, talked to him, one of those things uh, I'd definitely like to, to let them know. I, I talked to the team uh, last week at some point, and, and uh, yeah, it was uh, it's been an emotional week. And, and uh, you know, talking with those guys that I that I've had so much success with and and played with for such a long time, it was uh, important for me to to talk to them and and uh, thank them for for everything they did for my career. So. Do you, do you have a favorite memory that stands out when you reflect back on your career, whether it's the Detroit overtime goal or, or something that maybe we don't see um, on the surface? Yeah, like I, I think that goes back to the the question about memories. I think uh, I don't know if I have a favorite one. I think um, you know, some, there's definitely some moments that stick out. Um, you know, winning the cup in, in Philadelphia, in Philadelphia, um, you know, was was uh, a dream come true. Um, you know trying to help this team out and, and and providing some big goals was, was, was a lot of fun. I think, uh, you know, I think a, a memory I'll never forget is, is everybody knows how great the United center is and, and, and talking with, with people from around the league and, and different, uh, different guys in the summer, and whatnot. And, and even guys that come to Chicago, they, they, uh, they're excited for that national anthem and, and the roar of, of the United center. And, you know, I think I'll never forget when, uh, in 2015, when we got to win the cup at home and, and raise that cup for the first time, uh, in, in front of our fans was, uh, was incredible. The fans in Chicago have always been, uh, amazing to us as a team and, and, uh, amazing to me. You know, I always felt comfortable in the city and, and, uh, you know, they pushed us hard. They, uh, they were hard on us. I think Chicago fans are um, hard on other sports teams, but uh, you know it definitely pushed us uh, to be great, and um, you know that helped us get over the hump a lot of times. And, and the uh, the emotion and the feedback we got from them was uh, was amazing. And, and uh, yeah, I think that 15 cup in front of them, uh, raising that cup for the first time uh, in front of them, was uh, was special. It was uh, great during that. You mentioned the tribute video on on Friday. Uh, you heard Brent's message to to fans. He took out full page ads in the Sunday newspapers as well, giving thanks to uh, Chicago, a, a guy that uh, uh, this town really attached itself to. You know, kind of the the blue collar, hardworking guy that all the uh, 
hockey meatballs kind of attach themselves to because during that Stanley Cup run, it was Brent Seabrook and maybe another guy or two on the roster for the for you know the meatball hockey fan who wants a more physical element to the game. There's too much finesse on this team. There's too much offensive flair. Uh, he was the he was the guy who was there during all those Cup runs to provide that physical element and um, uh, just just real real passionate about it. And it was cool in that video tribute where not only the Blackhawks but the Tampa Bay Lightning once it was over they yeah. were stick tapping and, and saluting Brent up in the up in the suite and. Uh, some very passionate words at the end there about uh, his message to the fans and you know uh, what he wanted to say to them. So uh, Brent Seabrook, third all-time right now uh, on the all-time games played list in franchise history. Another one uh, who is uh, you know walking away from the game. So you know Crawford's gone, Sharp's gone. Uh, you know we ho- certainly hope Andrew Shaw can uh, rally himself, but most importantly, do what uh, he needs he needs to do for. You know himself personally in his life going forward, but uh, uh, another sign that things are are changing over on the west side and the and the the page is being turned for better or for worse. Too. Well, well, with that being said, and you kind of mentioned it earlier about Brent Seabrook wanting to be a part of this team right now, who's doing some cool things with a, a very young core. I mean, don't forget he he kind of mentored Kirby Doc last yep. year and and lived, had him live at his house and everything and and I heard Pat Foley talk on one of the broadcasts how Brent Seabrook was always the guy who uh, like helped out rookies with their parents coming into town hooking them up with dinner and stuff mm-hmm. like that just seemed like a total leader on that team and it's funny you, you bring up the the where's the Bruisers on this Blackhawks team and instead all these ballerinas skating around everybody <laughs> yeah it was always Brent Seabrook who Ben Eager obviously Dustin Bufflin but yeah. a- after 2010 then it's just kind of Brent Seabrook uh, yep. but um. I, I put this on Twitter, and I, I think I, I do firmly believe it, but I, I, I'm willing to say that his goal, Game 7, to eliminate the Detroit Red Wings uh, in the Western Conference semifinals may have been the biggest goal in that three-cup run. Mm-hmm. Because Patrick Kane's game winner in 2010, of course, is humongous, but that's Game 6. Something can still happen in that overtime, and something can still happen in Game 7. But that 2013 season, or that was what I believe, and other people say it too, the most talented of those three Blackhawks Stanley Cup runs. So they kind of need to win that Stanley Cup, otherwise it's a huge disappointment. I know there was some possible tension already with Joel Quinville, and if they don't win that series, come back and beat the Red Wings, who knows if he's out the door after that. And the Hawks got screwed on a call that brought them into overtime, and the longer that clock ticks, the more probably is in their heads, man, we got to win this game, man, we got to win this game. And Seabrook ends up you know, finding himself alone in the slot and just getting it passed with a wrister with less than four minutes gone in that overtime period. I think that's the biggest goal of the three cup run because it it kind of it definitely sent the Hawks as a team who is clutch and who can pull through adversity and who can't just be a one hit wonder because then they went on to win and then of course 2015 happened. So I I think that that had a lot more to do with their identity. 
on that entire run than just the Stanley Cup in 2010. Of course, it's it's a fun, harmless argument, but yep. uh, it's I think it's fun to to pick away at those types of things. Yeah, I mean, there were some rumblings about Joel after you know 2010. They get first round exits in yep. 2011. Granted, with the roster torn up from you know, all the moves that they were forced to make salary cap wise, and then 2012 they lost in the first round to uh, the Coyotes. So that was the Seabrook series. Also, the you know the point in that series where he went into the penalty box yep. and Jonathan Taves was. Taking penalty after penalty after penalty, they'd fall down three one in that series, and uh, they come back here uh, needing to win three in a row against a Detroit team that was giving them all they could handle and looking to be the spoiler. Uh, the roles reversed, where the Blackhawks tried to be the spoiler for all those years against the the high flying Red Wings teams. Now the tables were reversed, and they managed to uh, get that. And Seabrook coming through after you know a late goal in regulation of Game Seven by Nicholas Jalmerson was wiped out for due to a controversial call. So uh, yeah, the epitome of emotion. And then you know late, later on in that playoff run. He scores uh, one thing that Stan Bowman mentioned was you know, he scores that goal in Boston where they could have gone down three yep. one, and instead it evens things up in overtime at two, uh, the series at two. So uh, coming through twice in the clutch during that 2013 Stanley Cup run, uh, those are the things you know you're going to remember most about Brent Seabrook, and hopefully all Blackhawk fans uh, will certainly do the same. So that's going to be a wrap for this Blackhawk 720 podcast. We hope you enjoyed it. We thank you for listening. We're going to come at you again. After the two games against Florida, so the way this road trip shakes out is uh, Tuesday, Thursday at Dallas, and then it's uh, down to Florida for games on Saturday and Monday. Speaking of Joel, they see him and the Panthers uh, for the second time this season down there. So uh, once we're through that Monday game against Florida, we'll record another podcast to have out for you uh, on Tuesday. I believe it's the 16th at some point. So uh, whether it's uh, early or midday or something like that, we'll reflect on the first four stops of this six-game road trip. So uh, look for us then. But again, we always encourage you to subscribe, and uh, that way we'll have the podcast ready for you as soon as it comes out. But you can follow Joe and I on Twitter. I'm at Bowden Tweets. Joe is at, at Joe underscore brand one. Follow WGN Radio and WGN Sports as well, as well as WGNRadio.com uh, if you're searching around for the podcast. also want to thank Ernie Skatton, our producer, Curtis Koch. So after... Maybe I should just ask Joe how they're going to do on this road trip since, since you hit a spot know. on against I Tampa wanna, Bay. I, I want to go out on top. I don't know if I want to deal with that. Especially now, what, six games? It was a lot easier when it was just three. Well, we can chop it down to four. But no, I won't, I won't, do, I won't do that to you. This way you can come back after the four games and say, yeah, I was thinking of saying right. that, but yep. but I didn't. So, uh, and, then, and then we'll hold you to a, another prediction against uh, in the rematch against Tampa Bay. So for Joe Brand, Curtis Coker, Ernie Skatton, I'm Chris Bowden. Thanks for listening to this Blackhawk 720 podcast. Enjoy your week, everybody. How about that? He's won it. The Hawks win the Stanley Cup. Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks 720 podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets, and at Joe underscore brand one. That was great!